0: Maybe that you're here today and you're not familiar with, well, maybe a number of things. A few moments ago at the close of worship time, a young lady walks up to a microphone and just begins to share some thoughts that are impressed on her. And as she shared them, those were impressions that she felt the Lord had given to her. Uh, If you're not familiar with that... Uh, It it may be the first of several things you're not familiar with today. That'll be a part of this service. But what I'm greatly blessed by God and excited about is what she did was simply something that the Bible describes. Uh, That the Bible says that God will operate in our lives on occasions in such a way as to give a person a particular impression to share with the church. And, you know, in biblical language, they call that a prophetic word, a word that has prophetic elements to it. It's God wanting to say something in particular to his church at a particular time. Now, we may not be familiar with that, depending on what we come from, church background-wise. We may think that, you know, if you're not an official person or you're not called upon in some official capacity, well, then nobody else has that sort of thing operating in them. That would be very disappointing if that's the impression that any of us have because it would not be a biblical idea. God had much more in store for every one of us. And as you listen to the word that I'm going to share today, uh, one of the things that's interesting here is this young lady uh, did not know what I was talking about today. And it is so much... A word from God for us today that I'm going to read parts of it back to you. Because obviously God knew what I was talking about today. And he made sure to draw our attention to it in a particular way. This is the impression that she had. God speaking to us, saying, What if I have much more for you and those in your life than you are experiencing? Can everybody just go there with me for a moment? What if, what if in your life God has so much more than what you are experiencing? The word choices are very interesting as we're going to see today. What if I have much more to do in you and through you than you are allowing much more joy, excitement, pleasure, depth, confidence, assurance. My children, step back and look on your life and wonder what else I may want for it. There may be hindrances in our lives, keeping His fullness from dwelling and settling in. You are not of this world anymore. If you're a a believer who's truly trusted Christ, you are not. You can live a supernatural life because of who I am and what I have done. It would be radical to believe this and live this. What if that's what I have for you? What if? What if God really does have for you a much more radical life, experiential life than you've ever imagined. I mean, I think probably all of us could be humbled pretty quickly and just say, is there a realm and a possibility in God that God's got more for you than what you've got going on in your life right now? I, you know, I would hope that there's not a person in the building going, mm, no, no, that's not possible. I got it all, man. I mean, the fullness of God right here happening in me. So, yeah, but thanks for the offer. Uh, Don't think that's true for any of us here. But just because all of us can admit that it's not true doesn't mean that we want any more than what we've got. You with me? I can be very content in the amount of God I've got going on in my life and the amount of access he has to my life and the amount of experiencing of God I have going on in my life. And sometimes I just need God to visit me and kind of jilt that and upset What I've become comfortable with. Let me ask you this. Where where do you right now in your life. Where do you need the power of God? Where do you need it? Not necessarily where you want it. Yet I'll ask that question next. Where do you need it? You walked into this building. You had a certain experience of life this past week. This past month. This past year. Where do you need the power of God in your life? If God were to show up in your life in a powerful way suddenly, what would you do with that power? Where where would you spend it? When we talk about power today, we're talking about ability. If God were to bring a new ability into your life, just like that, just brought a new ability, a new enablement into your life, just... Just like that. I'm not talking about we're going to sign you up for school and you're going, to, you're going to learn something for four years. You're going to graduate and you're going to have some new insights. I'm just talking about God showing up in your life in an amazing way, in a powerful way, and making an impact on your world suddenly. Now, maybe that's unfamiliar for some of us. I mean, if I, if I were to, and don't raise your hands. If I were to say, have you ever had that experience? Has it ever happened to you? You know what I'm describing right now? is the day of Pentecost. That's what I'm describing right now. The day of Pentecost on the calendar occurs 50 days after Passover. So for us, it would have occurred last Sunday. Now, I didn't preach this message last Sunday because we had a guest speaker and I was not going to let him preach that message. (laughs) Willing to let Phil do a lot, but this was too much on my heart. To share. Sometimes it's okay to be selfish. I think that's biblical. (laughs) Turn to Acts chapter 1 with me. If you would like to know much more about this incredible book of Acts, then there is a class taking place every Sunday morning. Amen. (laughs) That would be the teacher of the class. Every Sunday morning, up in uh, the upstairs classroom area. That is a study of the book of Acts. What a great study. Because, you know, we sign on for Christianity and we sign on with very little insight and very little knowledge as to what's this thing supposed to look like. Unfortunately, quite honestly, if you're like me, you signed on with bad information. You came to Christianity with all your preconceived ideas and, you yeah, well, I, th- I think it's going to be this way. And then we say, okay, I'm finally at a point in my life I want to be serious about God. I want to be a Christian. And we sign on for this deal with all of our baggage. Boy, the book of Acts is a wonderful place to start. Because it sort of shows you what Christianity is supposed to really look like. And it may rock our worlds to see it. But in Acts chapter 1, I'm not going to actually preach on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. I want to I preach from the moments right before it. In Acts chapter 2 is where we actually find the occurrence of the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit descends upon the people of God in, an, in a unique in a new, in an unusual way. Unusual at that moment, but to be normal from now on. And this day is the day which God has set for that event to occur. And you you may be familiar with the story. 120 of the followers of Christ who are gathered together in an upper room. They've been there for days. They've been praying. They've been waiting on God. And suddenly there's this rushing wind that begins to flow through the room. And this supernatural event begins to occur. And the Holy Spirit begins to settle On people. He he comes on people and they begin to experience God in a new way. And they actually walk outside and and there are supernatural manifestations taking place through these bodies of theirs. They begin to speak in other languages that were not their own. The Apostle Peter stands up on that day and he preaches the gospel, and thousands come under the power of the Holy Spirit and turn to God. Right before that, there's some explanation for this event that I want to draw our attention to. In Acts chapter 1, let me back up before I get to verse 8. I have verse 8 in your outline. Look in verse 4. It says, While staying with them, he, speaking of Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. And then Jesus takes him back on track. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now Jesus is referring not many days from now to the day of Pentecost when finally all that's been said is going to occur. What's been leading up to this moment is going to occur. And I just want to make three points out of this passage today. I want to pick on the word shall. This is going to happen on the element of receiving it and on the power that accompanies. Let's, let's start with the word shall. You shall receive power. You will have this. This is going to happen. That, that is a, a looking forward to something and it's also a guarantee. It's something that's not yet, but it's guaranteed it's going to happen. Jesus doesn't say this might happen. Some of you might. For a few, there's a possibility. There's potential He said, this is going to happen. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what I love about that word is this sense of anticipation that is in the air. The way in which Jesus comes to this moment is filled with anticipation of something that's about to happen. Now, I I find this very interesting because of the timing of it. You're about a month and a half after... The cross and the resurrection has occurred. Now, if you read the Bible, you know the Bible is pointing to that event from the garden. Actually, the Bible says from before the garden, from the foundations of the world, the Bible has been pointing to the cross and the resurrection. If there was a Super Bowl-sized event that was going to ever take place for man, it was the cross and the resurrection. So I don't know how your mood is, but, you know, for instance... Super Bowl is over, and next week the Pro Bowl is going to be played. How many of y'all ever watch the Pro Bowl? You know, I mean, if there's like nothing else on TV, right? You watch the Pro Bowl. And you probably don't watch it all. Do you? It's like, because, I mean, it's it's the Super Bowl's occurred, the big event, it's happened. And you kind of just wind down. You know, we've had tons of weddings lately, right? All you guys have been planning those weddings, right? Leading up to it, right? And then there's the wedding who and then after the wedding, what do you kind of do? <sighs> right, I mean, you just come up for air. It's kind of oh, go back to some sense of normalcy about life. And then the lovely couple goes off and has honeymoon. Did David and wouldn't he come back yet? Not yet tonight. Uh, they go off for the honeymoon, they come back. You know, there's no huge reception plan for any of these guys when they come back, right? They've gone off, it's a week later, it's not like, oh, I'm so anticipating them coming back from the honeymoon. I didn't even know they're not back yet, right? I mean, I made sure I was at the wedding, but I, I don't know where they are right now. But the anticipation in this passage is huge. But the big event is over, or or... Or is it? Is this some secondary event? I mean, how do we rank the things that God does? You know, sometimes we do that. I'm not sure that God invites us to do that. <laughs> but God didn't stop anticipating something. Right? The, what Hebrews says, the event at the cross was a once and for all time sacrifice. It was only going to happen once. There's no more sacrificing of Christ going on ever again. It's over.
1: On the cross, what does Jesus say? It is finished. And yet, he's still
0: talking like there's something more to come. It is finished, seemed to just turn the page to the next thing in God. Right? And this is not just unique to Christ. It's all throughout Scripture. Let me go through these passages quickly. In the Old Testament, over 700 years before Christ, the event of the cross and before Pentecost occurs, you have the prophet Isaiah saying, For I will pour out on the thirsty land. Right? Can you hold on to that word thirsty for me? I will pour out on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Ezekiel 36 are very familiar passages. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. The prophet Joel, the Old Testament said, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. So in the Old Testament, there was this event that was anticipated. Listen, the, the shadows and, and images of the cross are all throughout the Old Testament. We look for the cross because the New Testament teaches us to look for it. But the, I'm talking the Old Testament, the Old Testament also teaches us to look for the day of Pentecost. It's coming. Anticipate it. Look for it. Wait for it. In the New Testament, we get insights as well, most of them from Jesus before the event. John 7, verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, right? You got thirsty land and you got thirsty people. Let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow. Rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. All right, now this event that's been talked about for years and years and years has not occurred. Doesn't mean the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. Doesn't mean the Holy Spirit doesn't have a place of ministry in people's lives. Doesn't mean He hasn't been using people. But whatever the event that all the Bible is anticipating, it hasn't happened yet. In John 7, it's awaiting something that Christ is going to do in order for it to become possible. John 14, Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you. Forever. He will give you, right? You don't have him yet. He will give you. This is the last night that Jesus is with his disciples in John 14. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. Right? You get that? He dwells with you, but something's going to occur where that's going to change. Jesus was anticipating an event To where the Spirit who was dwelling with them... Remember, they went out and did miracles. They cast out demons. They were healing the sick. And Jesus said, Oh, you you know something of the Spirit. He's been with you. But He will be. Something's going to happen. And He will be in you. Something's going to change. Later in that chapter, Jesus says, But the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Look at that last, one more passage, that last one in John 16, verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, when he comes, do you sense the anticipation here? I mean, Jesus over and over. I mean, how many times does Jesus need to talk about the Holy Spirit? This is in one night, except for the John 7 passages. In one night, your last night with Jesus, and over and over and over again, he's wanting to make sure, don't miss this. This is coming. This is, this is part of the reason why I'm going. Remember, it's better for me not to be with you any longer. Verse sixteen, Verse 13 of John 16. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, Into all the truth. Now, this is this is very important for them because they're about to go through a severe scratching of heads moment. They have followed, they have believed in the Son of God, and He's about to be crucified right before them. And so, all that they understood about the kingdom is about to get a shock wave sent through it, and they're going to be scratching their heads, and they're not going to get a bunch of this. Jesus says, "Until the Holy Spirit comes." And then he's going to lead you into all the truth. You're, you know, you're going to get some enablement. You're going to get some power to help you get all that I've been telling you. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Right? Look, look at those first two passages underneath that the next section on power. Jesus anticipating in Luke 24... Verse 49, and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. This is, this is after, after the cross and the resurrection has occurred. After. And he meets up with his disciples and he says this to them. I am sending the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then again, it's recorded in Acts 1, what we just read, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Now, all this anticipation and then this clarifying comment. What's going to happen, Jesus? What is this all about? Now, it's about a number of things. But what gets highlighted here is it's about power. This event that the Bible was looking forward to is about power. And I want to draw our attention to something here. I want to to comment on the obvious, maybe not so obvious to us, immediate deficiency of power for them. Because if there's coming this day where not only is there a future event that's awaiting and it's going to be coming and it's full of power, what does it say about the level of power you got right now? What does it say when Jesus tells his disciples, wait, I know you're anxious, I'm back from the dead. Maybe you're chomping at the bit, quite honestly. I'm not sure they were all that chomping at the bit at this moment. They were needing power to become chomping at the bit. They were, they were still confused. They were still reeling a bit. But Jesus makes clear, there's coming an event of great power that you, listen to me, you don't have right now. You are in a deficiency of power right now. You who have spent three years with Christ, who have had front row seats to the ministry that he had, who learned at the feet of the master, who personally saw Christ teach and minister truth into people's lives. And he turns and he tells them, you're deficient right now. And this is all in the context of mission, all in the context, I've got something for you to do. I've got something for you to be about And and what you have right now isn't sufficient for it. You're going to need more ability than you have right now to pull it off. You're going to need more equipment than you have right now in your life to pull that off. You're going to need different power than what you have right now. Now, Let me make this clear. Because I think living on the other side of this event, sometimes there's some confusion here about how to appropriate, how to respond to what Jesus is saying here. Now, is he saying here that you have got no power right now? You guys got no abilities? I'm surprised you can walk and chew gum at the same time. Just shocks me. Is he saying they've got no ability here? They're human beings created by God. Do they have some ability? Yes, they do. Will they have those abilities after this event? Yes, they will. I mean, you're out on there. Well, did they have intellect? Yes, they did. Human beings have intellectual abilities, abilities, power, power to think through things, right? We have scientists that have discovered things. We have doctors that explore the human body and come up with ideas about how to fix those things. We have inventors that they give us all kinds of tools and, and computers. And, that There's intellectual ability. We, we have education, right? I mean, the old adage in this world is knowledge is power. And to some degree, that's true. You know some things and it does give you a form of power. They had physical power. They had, they had muscles and abilities to do and move things and shape things and build things with those physical attributes that they had. They had emotional abilities. They had personality dynamics that they could bring to bear, right? You ever heard of a forceful personality? Look around. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you know somebody who can just by sheer force of personality... Back you up a little bit. That's, that's ability. Some people got some power going on in that category in this room. So it's not as though they didn't have any ability. You're born into this world. You have five senses that you can come in contact with the world around you. And, and you can reason with it and figure things out. And you can manipulate things and change things and affect things around you. So this is not a declaration that you're going to go from absolutely no ability to new ability. But it does inform us about something. With all that natural ability that man has, and he comes to this moment and Jesus says, I know you got all that, but you don't have enough. For what I have you to do, you are deficient. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. There's going to be a different power operating in your life. So there is deficiency in that announcement, and there's also distinction in that announcement. There's going to be a different kind of power operating in their life. Let me see if I can give you a quick heads up on that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says after the church has been ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit and Paul gives some explanation to this distinction that there's a different power. It's not just human know-how. It's not just the natural talent that I came into this world with. It's not me just deciding with all my might, I'm going to be this kind of a Christian. I'm going to live differently. In verse 1 he says, Paul telling the church in Corinth, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming. To you, the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Listen, um, you don't need Pentecost to speak, have a conversation, hold a debate, corner somebody with your reasonings. You don't need Pentecost to do that. Pentecost might be a part of that in your life, but you don't have to have Pentecost to do that. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now you do need Pentecost to really know Christ. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Of God. Look at verse 6. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, not because they were stupid, not because they didn't have the intellect but because they couldn't see it, because there's a different kind of power besides the ability to know math and science required, and they didn't have it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They would have known. This is God in the flesh, and we're putting Him on the cross and killing Him. So of all their smarts, they didn't have the smarts to see that. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the spirit, verse and verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, foolishness. Listen, there's a lot about God that you and I, when we first come in contact with it and we use our natural form of thinking to analyze it, it seems stupid, foolish, childish. It just—it's almost offensive to us in some ways, and he's not able. This natural person is not able. That's an empowerment word, right? And power is about ability. And here's a guy who's not able. He doesn't have the power to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So you see, there's there's this deficiency of power. If you're a human being coming to God, and you come with all of your intellect all of your emotional prowess, all the things that make you a unique, respectable person, and you come to God, you come to Him deficient in power. And if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to live the Christian life, you go forth deficient in power, except for what happens at Pentecost. Now, I want to make this point as well, because this is not just a message for those of us who have never come in contact with the revelation of the Spirit of God in our lives in our lives, although I think there's many of us here this morning that maybe that's where God wants to start. But there is also some evidence that not only is there a deficiency of power in Scripture revealed, but there's also a displacement of power, a, a lack of encounter and knowledge of the power of the Holy Spirit. Right Now traffic with me here. Acts chapter 19, if you can turn there. Acts chapter 19, we are into... The expansion of the gospel, we're way off past Jerusalem now. The gospel is beginning to be pushed out around the globe, and people are coming in contact with the message of Jesus Christ. How to come into relationship with God. What work did he do that saves them? And the Apostle Paul is going to encounter some people here in a city called Ephesus. Verse 1, And it happened that while Apollos, who's another believer who was teaching the gospel, was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now I wonder what made him ask that question. But it does show me something about the Apostle Paul's ministry and what he's concerned about. And they said, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Well, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is, Jesus. John the Baptist was just a preparatory messenger. He's just telling people, get your life ready. And people would say, yes, I want to get my life ready. Okay, he baptized them to get them ready. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And... When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Now, now this, this is an interesting story here, because quite honestly, it's not clear as to what kind of disciples these guys were. It uses the word disciple. It's very possible they were not disciples of Christ, and it's very possible that they had not really believed the gospel and maybe hadn't even heard it clearly. We don't know. There's not a ton told to us. What I want to draw our attention to is not the certainty of the condition of these men, but was the priority of the Apostle Paul when he ministered to them. What's the first thing he asked them? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And as soon as he finds out, no, they don't even know anything about it, and he finds out what their understanding of belief is, and he ministers to them in that category, what's the first thing he does then? He puts his hands on them so that they could receive the Holy Spirit. This is is what Paul is concerned about in this moment when he goes to minister to these folks in Ephesus. Without us knowing all the details of what it was that they believed, the priority for Paul in this moment was to minister them the reception of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Paul would have a similar concern about those who are unaware in the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul is concerned about people who aren't aware of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They're uninformed about it. Just like the folks in Ephesus were there in Acts 19. Look here in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Paul says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. Spiritual gifts are are enablements from God. They are the Holy Spirit's empowerment for us to have abilities that are not simply natural. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand. No one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. No one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts. Remember, I don't want you to be uninformed, brothers. I want you to understand this. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities. But it is the same God who empowers, right, empowers, enables, gives power to, to them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now stop, stop, right there. I have heard that verse so abused. To each has been given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Will you see there, Keith? Everybody has the spirit. Uh, that's not what Paul's concerned about in this passage. He is yet still concerned that even though in the books of heaven, something is true about you, you don't know anything about it. That's what he's concerned about right there. This is functional unbelief is a huge issue for the church in all categories. Oh, we all technically say we believe certain things, don't we? I mean, if I were to say right now, you know, do you believe this? Yes. Do you believe this? We, we, we would confess orthodoxy. Do you believe that you have the Holy Spirit? Yes. Paul is not concerned whether you technically agree that you have the Holy Spirit. He's concerned as to whether you're ignorant and uninformed about how he operates in you. I would not have you uninformed, brothers. And he immediately goes into an explanation that God is working in a variety of ways in each one of you with empowered gifts so that you might minister in power. That's what Pentecost was about. It was a day to receive power for ministry. This is what power looks like. At least one category of it. I don't believe this is all categories of it, but this is a category of it. He gives a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, and he he begins to elucidate that. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing By one spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered. Is that the word? All these are made able. All these are enabled. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit. Remember Jesus saying this? You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, this is the empowerment of the Spirit. And Paul is greatly concerned. i put two other translations in your outline there. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. Now about the spiritual gifts, the Amplified says, these special endowments of supernatural energy. Brethren, I do not want you to be misinformed. Now read this with me here. This informs us that it is possible to be a Christian and be uninformed, unaware, or misinformed about the power of the Holy Spirit that is supposed to operate in us. Can we all have a humble moment right now? No matter how long I've been saved, it is possible to be a Christian and to be uninformed, unaware, or misinformed about the power of the Holy Spirit operating in us. Listen, I can't get more clear than just the one passage we just read from 1 Corinthians 12. When I'm saying, I'm looking for the power of the Holy Spirit in us, well, I ought to be looking for 1 Corinthians 12. What else am I looking for? Well, other things that the Bible says are empowerment. Okay, I agree, 100%. There's other things, too. I ought to be looking for these, too. See, too, too many of us Maybe coming to Christ, understanding some things about Christianity and about our salvation and our need, and not going on to the categories that Paul was concerned about. I'm concerned that you will be uninformed. You just don't know. It's just, I mean, the Holy Spirit is a neglected person in the Trinity, not spoken of. And there's some mystery about the operation of the Holy Spirit that, that makes it difficult to speak about Him in some ways. But yet, the, the Bible's all over the ministry of the Holy Spirit. From the moment Jesus says, it's better for me to go away, the feature part of the Godhead in the rest of the Bible is the Holy Spirit making real all that Christ has done. Otherwise, it stays a mystery to us. Some of us aren't just uninformed. Some of us are misinformed, misinformed about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We've been in places where the the ministry of the Holy Spirit has been almost attacked and spoken of antagonistically and hostile. Postures have been taken. And listen, truly not aimed at what the Bible presents about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but about the abuses that have been happening when men and women handle it. Listen, I mean, that's, it's unfortunate that there are abuses, but you do realize there's abuses in everything the Bible has said. There are abuses to what it looks like to be married today. We don't, we don't do away with marriage. There's abuses in what it means to raise children for the glory of God. We don't do away with raising children and not talk about that. There's abuses in how evangelism is done out there. We don't just... Walk away from evangelism, do we? You cannot walk away from this. It's too big in the scriptures. Let me tell you what the worst misinformation is going on in our, in our lives today. You ready? The worst misinformation, misinforming in my life, in your life today, is my own experience or lack of it. Well, I've never, you know, if my posture is, I've not prayed for anybody and seen them healed. It's not happened in my life. I haven't raised anybody from the dead. I haven't cast out any demons. I haven't spoken in tongues. I haven't prophesied. And almost as though because that's been my experience, then we impose our experience on this topic and say, well, I guess that doesn't happen. I guess it's not supposed to happen. Well, maybe it happens to somebody else, but not me. And so we stop anticipating. This is a rich environment for anticipation. Anticipation. The day of Pentecost informs us if there's a power from God that each of us are to anticipate and pursue and desire. And even if you've been saved a long time, there's some, there's some challenge in not displacing it. First Timothy 4, Paul writing to Timothy. who Paul raised Timothy in the faith. This is a solid disciple right here. This guy is on solid ground and the apostle Paul still feels it necessary to tell him, Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. That that seems to be a sudden occurrence, a moment in time for Timothy. Practice these things. Devote yourself to them so that all may see your progress. New American Standard says, take pains with these things. With what things? With the operation of the Spirit's gifting in you. Take pains with it, Timothy. Be absorbed in it so that your progress will be evident to all grow, move along gain progress in how the Spirit operates in you. Paul obviously felt strongly about this. He had to tell Timothy this twice. In his next letter, he says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. Timothy, Timothy, don't let the ministry of the Holy Spirit just begin to burn down to where it's just embers. Timothy, fan it into flame. Do something in your life. To fan back into flame that which was once a burning, roaring fire in your life. Don't just let it smolder down to where there's there's a little warmth. There's a little warmth there. Yeah. You know, I believe in the Holy Spirit. There's a little warmth there. No, Timothy, fan it into flame. Look in your outline. It says, This informs us that someone who has been a Christian for many years can displace and neglect the power of the Holy Spirit. That puts a lot of us on the hook, doesn't it? Honestly, doesn't it? This great anticipated day. You're going to receive power. Not just you, not just you, the twelve who are these special agents. No, there was 120 in the room that day. It wasn't just the twelve. There was 120 in the room that day that received Power from God. And then that power went out like a shockwave and everybody else began to experience it as well. That shockwave should be rolling into New Orleans and Metairie and wherever it is that you live and make your life. Because we live in the day that Joel saw, this day where God would pour out his spirit upon us. We live in the continuation of Pentecost. Pentecost wasn't a day, ooh, I missed it. No, it was the inauguration of a day. It was the beginning of a season that would culminate with the return of Christ. So it should be something you and I are seeking, pursuing, and aware of. Now, this power, as I said earlier, it's necessary. It's not a negotiable. The things that you and I are called to do and live in our lives are not possible with natural intellect. Personality, five senses. It doesn't mean that we throw our brains out the window, but it does mean our intellect needs to be under the persuasion and influence of supernatural insight by the Holy Spirit. All right? Let's, this is just a few of the highlights in Scripture, and I want us to weigh ourselves for a moment. I want us to find out, God, am, am I having a power outage in my life as a believer? Do am I needing some fresh empowerment in my life? Purpose for this power. Well, first Jesus said it was the power for witness. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses. You shall take on a posture where you proclaim the gospel. Now, everybody should know this. This is not just empowerment to speak the words of the storyline of Christ, although it is that. But it's more than that. Because, see, we give witness to the power of God when somebody sees my life having been raised from the dead. And they can see that this dude's alive. I knew him before, and he was not. He's a changed person. That's witness. The fruit of the Spirit is witness in the midst of news headlines to walk in joy in the Holy Spirit. That's witness. That means you've tapped into something that I don't have. Why are you at peace right now? Why is your peace so passing understanding right now? Because there's a pipeline of power that I don't get from me. It's supernatural in nature, it's the power of God in us. Now, the question for us is how many of us are afraid to witness the gospel of Christ to others? How many of us experience fear when it comes to that? We're afraid to speak up, afraid to share something, afraid to intrude into somebody's life with the gospel. Listen, that's a power outage. This is, this is where I, I'm not looking to make an altar call so big that we can't minister to some of you. But I, I, I can't help but analyze my own life and say, okay, God, if that is an issue of timidity for me, it's an issue of a lack of power. If I want to fix it, guilt doesn't fix it. Does it help me to stand in front of you today and say, have you shared Christ with somebody this week? Have you? No? What are you doing? What's wrong with you? Don't you love people? Don't you realize what awaits them? That's just guilt. Jesus didn't say you will receive guilt when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be an amazing witness as a result. I don't need guilt. I need power. I need the power of God to give me a passion that eclipses my restraining walls in my own life. And some of us have bigger restraining walls than others. It's a power issue if I'm struggling in that category. How many of us are able, or unable rather, to pull away from other interests and other pursuits in order to make the kingdom work in our lives a bigger deal? Right? I mean, there's all these opportunities to serve. There's all these things going on that's reaching out into the community, affecting people's lives and helping them understand and know the gospel and the God who can save them and revolutionize their world. And there's prayer times for those things to happen. There's opportunities for ministry to take place. And I'm just not able... Not able to what? I'm not able to stop doing this and this and this. I mean, I'm just so busy with things. Inability to say no to that and reorganize life in order to say yes to this. What is that? It's a lack of power. Well, if the power of the
1: Holy Spirit was present, I bet you I'd reorganize things. It's not, well, man, I'm filled with the Spirit, brother. 1984. Whoo, man, let me
0: tell you. And then there's no power now. Well, I'm glad for what happened in 1984. It gave you a little bit of a taste of what Pentecost is supposed to be on a regular basis. But there's no power now. That's a problem. It's power for learning and knowing. Jesus said when the Spirit comes, He's going to lead you into the truth. You're going to get insight. He's going to teach you of these things. How many of us are are just struggling to get our minds around certain doctrinal issues? You know, just trying to understand prayer. Trying to understand the exclusivity of Christ. That there is salvation nowhere else. And all the religions and Christianity have no ability to get along with each other. that's that's, That's not what I believe. Listen, that is clearly what the Bible teaches. And if I'm having a hard time getting my mind around that... Well, then it's because the Holy Spirit's power is supposed to lead me into that. You can't go there on your own. You can't go there because you've got your mind made up and you're serious and you really want to learn now. Holy Spirit has to take you there. How many of us just don't read or don't study? We don't have to all stand, but... You know who you are. Congratulations on buying the book of the month. <laughs> If you open it, you'll find print. It's written left to
1: right. Uh, but, well, that's,
0: you know, that's just not me. You know, I just don't like to read. I don't like to study. Well, how can you, how can you respond to the admonition of the Bible that says Study? To show yourself approved, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, handling accurately the Word of God. Well, Keith, I know that verse, and you know, that really applies to about 99.9% of all Christians, but not to me. I just don't like to read. You don't find motivation to read? No. Might you be lacking power? Power to be motivated. Listen, the Christian life is full of things that I don't feel like doing. You've discovered that yet? Did you read the fine print? It's a bunch of stuff I don't feel like doing it. Well, getting to feel like it is a matter of enablement and power. Welcome to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So you can't you can't neglect this. So I'm just waiting. You know, you, you want me to guilt you into that as well? <laughs> See, this is, this, is, this is a lot of times what church devolves into. Let me just guilt you into doing. Well, why don't we just teach on the Holy Spirit and let him get about his work? Why don't we just recognize, honestly, this morning as to whether or not I am really pursuing the ministry of the Holy Spirit in my own life. If all these things are true. What about power for transformation and obedience? Having a hard time overcoming some issues? Having a hard time getting out of the lethargy that describes patterns of your life? Laziness? ineffectiveness and I bump into that and it becomes hard and I just quit I'm having a hard time with those things remember the ministry of the Holy Spirit in Ezekiel 36 was that God would give us his spirit in our hearts and he would cause us to walk in his statutes God promised it was him the spirit of God who was at work in us to will there's motivation and to do there's power of his good pleasure so if I'm having a hard time overcoming some issues of sin, this is a power outage issue. It's the Holy Spirit's ministry that I'm missing. Power for serving and body ministry. Not all that we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The power of the Holy Spirit brings us an ability to serve one another, to affect each other's lives when the Holy Spirit is present. I thank God this morning. won't use her name, i not trying to embarrass her. For the young woman who came up here this morning and shared she doesn't come up here every week. I'm not sure she's ever been up here in front of 600 and something people standing in front of a microphone giving an impression of something that, who knows, you could be wrong. You could be off. Yeah, it, it takes a little bit of boldness to pull that off. And I know this young lady, um, she would not be one where force of personality would knock you over. So what happened this morning was the power of the Holy Spirit That said, you know, all those things might be true, but I feel compelled by God and I'm going to share that. I thank God for it. Let me close with some thoughts on receiving. You shall receive power. We've talked about shall and we've talked about power. What about receiving? Let me just look through these elements here just real quickly. Acts chapter 2 was a setting to receive. Now I want to say this. Jesus didn't say, hey guys, go wherever you want to go and do whatever you want to do and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to fall on you. He said, you go right here and you wait right there. And that's where it's going to happen. And that tells me something. You best get where God's doing if you want to receive. Well, can't God just meet us anywhere? Well, he certainly can. And he may, for many of us, find a different way. But for these guys, there was instruction there. You stand right here, and you wait. And he made them wait for quite a while, as a matter of fact. I think that waiting had something to do with the faith that was going to be in their hearts to give them the ability to receive what he was about to do. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And it, it is God's pleasure an intention to give you the Holy Spirit in an experiential way in your life. Now, interesting, this passage is the passage that comes after the asking and seeking and knocking passage, where you have the reluctant response that we talked about a few weeks ago. There's reluctance here. Well, then you ask and you keep asking and you knock and you keep knocking. And you will receive. So this is not just, well, you know, I asked once. Once on your way to a hundred if you have to. But you keep asking. And God will, rec- what God will give. John 7, verse 37. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If, if, if anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. If anyone thirsts. Thirsts. Do you, do you have a desire in you? You know what thirst is like, right? Go out and sweat, cut your grass, and stay outside all day long and see what you're after. There's, an, a, there's a desire in you. You are all business. You are all over that thing. Is, is that how I feel about the Holy Spirit? I, I'm very convinced that if I'm casual about the Spirit, I'm not in a posture to receive. Because the pouring out is upon dry ground. The pouring out is upon those who are thirsty. Am I thirsty? Do I really want to receive from God. First Timothy, several other passages highlight how, how we are able to receive in some settings. Do not neglect the spiritual gift within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Acts 8 describes another event. He says, Now when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, They sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, you got a real mouthful right there for those of you who want to play with your theology. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts 19, again, Paul had laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came on them, so there are incidences numerous in the Bible where receiving is often through the laying on of hands now what we 're going to do the remainder of our time, the worship team would come back up is is we 're going to seek to be a people postured to receive right? jesus didn 't say on the day of Pentecost, and you shall learn about the Holy Spirit. What you just did was learn about the Holy Spirit. He said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, there is an element here where God wants us to receive, to receive. Now, if you're having a power outage in your life, And you're struggling in areas and there's no fruitful ministry. This is an issue of power in the Holy Spirit. Let me go back to our word. What if, God would say, what if I have much more for you and those in your life than you are experiencing? Do you believe he does? Not just possibility, but do you believe that God really does have much, much more for you. Let's stand up together. Let me just say something to all of you who are here, and maybe this is a, this is a new setting for you, I, I, I intentionally overloaded you with Bible verses. Because none of what I'm talking about is in the franchise of Lakeview Christian Center. None of what was described just now is originated in the Keith the televangelist with some ideas. This is just the Bible. And if Christianity for you has been anything less than this, then you really haven't quite experienced it yet. Jesus anticipated so much more. Oh, please don't settle for less. When the son of God shed his blood and had finished his work, he'd look from the cross to the day of Pentecost and he gathered his people and he said, wait for this. Oh, you don't want to miss this. That's what he's saying to you today too. It's not enough for us to be here and say, well, sure, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the cross. Have you received the Holy Spirit as the Bible describes the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life? If not, when do you want more? Now listen, you know, well, this this isn't the way I do church where I come from. What you gonna do now, dude? (laughs) I'm gonna tell you exactly what we're gonna do right now. I'm gonna invite everybody who's here who wants to have someone lay their hands on them and pray for them to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in their life? We're just gonna. Isn't that what the Bible just said? Right? Didn't the Bible just say this? Right? This is. If this is foreign to us, then sadly we're just out of step with the Bible. Don't we just want what God wants? Yeah, I do. So if you're thirsty, you'll come drink, right? So if you're thirsty this morning, I'm going to need you to come in just a second. But I I need to ask some other folks who have received of the Holy Spirit's power. I need to ask you to come and pray for these folks because the Bible clearly says something about your faith. Something about you laying hands on them. Something about what you believe and ministering to them in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not resonant in you naturally, but by the Holy Spirit, you're called upon to be able to be ministers of the gospel in power. So this doesn't just belong to the guy with the microphone. As a matter of fact, some of the mightiest people in this room are some of the women in here who've been telling me they've been praying for this day, praying for this moment. I want them here. I want you up here laying your hands on people in faith. So I want to ask you to come first and just stretch out across the... The platform here with your back to me and your face to the audience, so folks can come up and receive prayer from you. So you come first. And then for all those who will be coming to receive, let's, let me just pray for you and I'm going to invite you to come in just a second. Lord, we thank you for moments where you have designed for heaven to touch earth. But thank you for that rich day of Pentecost where your spirit came with power and the world has never been the same Lord today that ministry continues and we need we need the power of your spirit in our lives Lord in this room are some here today who have never tasted of the power of the Holy Spirit there's some who are like, The disciples of John, they've been baptized into repentance. They've been baptized into, you need to change your life. You need to be a better person. You need to be religious. I was baptized that way when I was a baby. But Lord, today, for some, they need to come and receive. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, we sang about earlier. Because of his grace and his forgiveness. They need to come with their life open and say, my life is not my own. I give it to you, God. Come, come fill me. Take my life. Take it from this moment on. There's some of you here today, I want to I ask you to, to not just take religious information, but there's some of you here today who, who God's calling you into a relationship with him. That's what, you, that's what you're experiencing right now. And the receiving of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life is receiving the presence of God and you've not known that before today God is saying today I want to start that today in your life if you've not known the presence of God like, I want you to come up I want you to come up and find some folks here there's some other folks that are going to come come find somebody that you know if you know somebody you came with somebody and they're up here praying you can come up and find one of the pastors or there's many folks who lead our small groups that are up here come and say today I-, I want the presence of God in my life I've not known that before and God will meet you There's some of you here that fall into Timothy's category and you need to hear the Holy Spirit say, you have neglected. You've neglected the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You've lived as though you were uninformed about it. It's foreign to you. You have a power outage going on all around your life. Come this morning. And listen, only come if you're thirsty. Because if you're not really all that interested in this, what a disillusioning moment to convince yourself, I came, nothing happened. Oh, no, no. The pouring out of the Spirit is for the dry ground. It's for the thirsty. It's for those who are saying, I want more. I want more. I want to experience more of God. So as we begin to worship God, all across the auditorium, just begin to press in with God. Just You talk to God right now. You begin to listen. What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? What's the power like in your life? What's God calling for in your heart right now? What does he want for you? What do you want? You want this? You sense in your own heart, I want that. Well, if you do, don't be afraid. Just come and receive. Come and receive from God. It's it's the Bible. It's normal. This is what Christianity is. It's receiving from a living spirit of God in your life. God, I pray right now to all across this room. Lord, You are the one calling into our hearts. You're the one taking
1: these truths and saying, come and receive. All of you who are thirsty, come and drink. Come and open your life. Come and let My Spirit fill you and flood you. Come and receive rivers of living water. Come. Holy Spirit, invite us. Compel us. Draw us to Yourself right now. Come and fill this place, Spirit of God. We want all that You have for us. Lord, we don't want less. We don't want to just be barely getting by. God, we don't want to be living the Christian struggle. We want to be living the Christian life. The abundant Christian life. Lord, we want joy. Unspeakable and full of glory. We want peace that passes understanding. We want freedom. That sin can no longer contain us and doesn't set the boundaries for our lives. God, we want power to minister Then the Holy Spirit. We want the gifts of your spirits. God, this morning, give to some here the gifts of healing and gifts of prophecy. Lord, thank you for the word that came this morning. Thank you for that gift. It spoke to our hearts, God. God, raise up more that will be just like that, receiving the power of the Holy Spirit. God, give some this morning the gift of speaking in tongues to be able to pray in the Spirit and commune with you. In a new, empowered way in their life that they've not yet known, or perhaps that they've neglected for years. God, give some discernment that's by the Spirit. Give some gifts of knowledge and gifts of wisdom in our midst, Lord. Fill us that we might serve one another. God, give the gift of serving that compels us to find room in our life to touch the body of Christ and to reach out with the gospel. God, empower witness this morning. God, we pray for boldness and the Spirit to come. God, a new day where some were just totally full of fear and afraid to speak the Gospel, afraid to live the Gospel. But God, this morning, touch them. Touch them supernaturally. Lord, let the day come. Let the wind blow. God, bring the rain of Your Spirit in our lives, God, that there might be a new day, a day of empowerment, a day of Your power, Lord. God, for some who have struggled to think biblically, to understand truth, God, pull back the veil. Turn on the light. Holy Spirit, Your ministry leads us into the truth. God, let no one here any longer feel as though they're in the dark and they're thinking, God, bring illumination. Holy Spirit, Your power, presence here this morning. Minister, God. Minister by the Spirit to everyone who's calling on You, Lord. Every person who's seeking you this morning.